Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison, and with me again is Kieran Oaks. Good to see you, Kieran. How are you doing, big man? I'm doing really well. How are you doing, Dre? Still a little bit nervous, still a little bit getting getting used to the new furniture, I guess you could say. And uh, well, getting... I think I think luckily we can go ahead with the full knowledge that everyone is entirely behind us and supporting <laughs> us unconditionally. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Got absolutely nothing to worry about in the in the grand scheme of things. So is that Top Gear series getting renewed? Anyway, um, hope you guys are enjoying the show. Hope glad you could join us. Hope you guys have enjoyed some of the content we've put out so far. There's a lot more coming uh, in the weeks up to. Sh- the f1 season of of course we got testing coming up uh and just uh, just just over a month from now and uh yeah we'll have a hot takes wednesday for you every week as well as a bunch of other podcasts as well to keep you guys going so feel free to subscribe if you haven't already there's a whole lot down the pipeline but welcome to hot takes wednesday our second edition of me and kieran on the show and uh yes um we are going to admit the elephant in the room we kind of made a couple of boo-boos last week and we have refined the scale just a tad to make it a little bit easier to understand kieran help me out on that one here buddy yeah so i mean this is something we, we like to listen to the feedback of our lovely podcast listeners and our people watching along on twitch and and we like to make changes to make sure everyone's happy so first of all, on Twitch, people were talking about our oh, video quality. It's not very good, boys. So what have we done? We've upgraded the setup. You're welcome. And secondly, the scale, the scale, the scale was causing lots of controversy um, because it's quite difficult to tell if you're judging a take on how hot a take it is or how much you agree with it. Mm. And we realized the full depth of this confusion when we tried to talk amongst ourselves yesterday and get on the same page about how it actually works. So we've simplified it. We're gonna t- we're gonna we're gonna just assume every single take we get is so hot. It's a sexy take, mm. and what we're gonna be doing we've got a scale one to five, which has never been done before on this podcast. No, never. Um, and it's gonna be scale of one. We don't agree with that hot take, and five. We really agree with that hot take. And mm. if you don't agree that it's a hot take, you don't think it should be on hot takes. Look, that's not our problem. We can't make this any more simple for you. So if you can't handle it, get out <laughs> of the kitchen, which ironically I am in currently. I'm in my kitchen. Indeed, indeed. Uh, wait, wait, wait to ease us in gently there, Kieran, as ever. As subtle as a sledgehammer. Well, if you don't uh, get it at this point, then just, I don't know. <laughs> it's not through lack of trying we promise but uh we will crack on um with uh with these hot takes again they've what i've barely seen what's on the screen so we're gonna be a little bit uh and if, i can t- i can promise you kieran has not seen any of these no i don't do any prior research to anything so, so uh this is, we're gonna be getting some of these reactions in real time so this is gonna be a fun one let's get cracking with hot take wednesday and first up hot take number one it is from Formula Wonderland, um, at Formula Wonderland. Great username, if I do That's say fantastic. so. fantastic. Love that. Um, and here it is. It's There will be at least five teammate collisions this year. There will be at least five teammate collisions this year. Are we talking like full race-ending collisions, do you think? Or just like bumping a wheel every now and again? I'd say significant enough where we would talk about it. Um. I can see where I can see where this is coming from. Um, obviously, a lot's been made of like we did a video on W. We didn't, but you know our former beings did a video <laughs> about like the teammate rivalries this year. There's a lot of tasty lineups on the grid. Uh, people thinking Alonso and Stroll going to be going at each other, Gasly and Ocon. Um, and I don't think that necessarily equates to more teammate incidents because I mean, for example, with Lance and Fernando, 
it's very hard to um, it's very hard to be having race ending collisions when one of them's so far ahead of the other one. Because Lando's going to be a few, uh, Fernando's going to be a few seconds behind Lance, and Lance is going to be storming away for the podium positions. <laughs> um, but I, I don't think it necessarily equates. But equally, maybe there is. I would agree. There's probably more chance this season of inter-team rivalries that will cause friction. I just don't know if we can say potentially that would end up on track. Um, the pairing that I could see it coming the most from, and probably not one people will be thinking of, Hamilton and Russell. And this is on oh. the basis. This is on the basis that I think the Mercedes will be much more competitive this year, and I think Mercedes could potentially find themselves in a very difficult situation where they have got to choose between prioritizing their long-term talent, this young prospect who is going to go and do great things. We we assume at this point, or Lewis Hamilton. Do you prioritize everything towards him, and you know, uh, make sure that eighth is a possibility? which I, that's a different debate for another day, if that's yeah. actually going to happen. But I think Russell is a very strong-willed guy who wouldn't just take being second driver. I think he feels he's put that shift in this year, even though he outscored Lewis. I think he thinks that's his rookie year with Mercedes, so to speak, and now it's fair game. So I, I can imagine a couple of incidents between those two. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, absolutely. I'd like to see a poll for that for the chat as well. Um I I would say first and foremost, yeah, I five I think is a bit much. Um don't get me wrong, it's a long season. It's 20 it's going to be 23 rounds this year. Now we know that China will not be replaced. Um but I I can't quite get there to five. I think there could be one or two. I know we had a couple like towards the end of last year with Alpine for example, um, with, um, you know, Ocon and, and Alonso towards the end of the year. But I still think they're a bit of a unicorn. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't go that far with it to say five. I think two or three is a lot more likely. Um, it also depends how competitive teammates are respectively as well, because I think there could easily be a lot of blowouts. Um, you know, I, I think you make a valid point about Hamilton and Russell. I think they are quite evenly matched and Russell has not been afraid to tag the Yog driver on track here and there over the course of his first season with the big boys. Um, but I think the number is a bit on the high side. If, 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 if the take was three or was like three teammate collisions, I'd be much more inclined to agree. I don't know how you feel about it, Kieran, but um, I think five, uh, the, the numbers, the sticking point for me. Okay. Um, I, I, in principle, I get where it's coming from, but I, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it'll be that many because I don't think competitive teammates, it has to end in constant crashes. So I'd, I'd go with, I'd go with a two on that, I think, which means disagree on the new scale, right? That's correct. Right. Isn't it, Dre? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, So I, I think... <sighs> I think that five is a bit too high. I would say disagree. I wouldn't completely rule it out. You never know how the season could go, but I, I would say that's a two for me as well. I think disagree is about right. I, I don't think it's going to be as many as as that. So yeah, um, hopefully. Uh, I, I hope I, I hope we get a few more. I hope I'm wrong on this for the sake of my own drama and for stuff to talk about, but I can't quite get to as high as five on this occasion. So I'm, we're both in agreement. We're going to say two on this one. 
Um, but yeah, I, I I disagree. I don't think it's going to be as many as five. But uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that one. So next up, take number two. And I think the, I think the takes were actually quite agreement. I think the chat was more like four or five, which was quite interesting. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That was that was quite intriguing, if I do say so myself. Um, okay, so take number two uh, at Mega versus Primus um, on Twitter. Hi, buddy. I, I've seen you tweet me a couple of times already. Um, You've not tweeted me. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm sure he'll find you. Um, <laughs> at Mega versus Primus says, if Ferrari don't win a championship. Before 2030, they will leave F1. No. So if, if Ferrari don't win a championship before 2030, they will leave F1. I, I, That's I a take. I don't think there's a, a, a chance of that. I, 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 again, I'm going to say this a lot, and I apologize if this become boring, and you can make a compilation of me saying it, but I can understand where it's coming from with <laughs> the idea that Ferrari are a team based on success, world championships mm-hmm. throughout every era of Formula, Formula 1. Um, but that's the thing. Ferrari have been in every era of Formula One. The first season in 1950, Ferrari were there. And it takes more than a few years of lack of success to, you know, overwrite a a tradition and a proud history in the sport. Mm. Because the first team you think of when you think Formula One is Ferrari. That they are the sport, and that's like that's why they get well, they were getting paid extra, weren't they, just for being one of those founding founding members. Uh, definitely under the Eccleston, Eccleston regime. I'm not sure if that's the case now. But mm. I, I think Ferrari are definitely hungry for success. And I think it's much more likely that they would sacrifice the way that they do things, the way they operate, um, change driver lineups before they would ever consider leaving the sport. They will do everything at some point if they continue to not be successful. So... I can much, I'd much, I think it's much more likely that we are going to see complete overhaul at Ferrari before we would ever see them leave Formula One. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one 100%, Kieran. Um, the chat, uh, 98% have already gone for number one so far, which yeah. kind of says it all. It's a slam dunk here. And I, 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 I just, with... We just speak for the people, Dre. We speak for the people. Uh, what can I say? I mean, if I'm in full agreement with the chat for what it's worth. If there was a zero option, I would happily select that, mm-hmm. um, is my opinion on that. Look, Ferrari used to get a ton of money under the old payment structure just for showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, they have had executive privilege in the grand context of formula one for seven decades now um so they're not going anywhere they a huge amount of their road sales came about when michael schumacher was successful as well i believe their car sales tripled um under the montezemolo era when schumacher brought success to ferrari when i was growing up when i first started watching f1 in the early 2000s so their their main priority of selling cars is directly associated with how much they they win and that brand is what was what it is today partly through him so I don't think Ferrari's going anywhere anytime soon, um, even if they have a bad run of form. I mean, look, their 2021 season was their worst season in like 60 years, and there was there wasn't even a hint that they were going to quit F1. So, no, I don't think they're going nowhere. Um, I the, the chat's in complete agreement. It's like 97% <laughs> are at one right now. And, I and think I'm it's to agree with him on that one. I think it's actually more likely that Formula One would change as a sport completely due to whatever the climate is in the world or anything like that. I think Formula One is probably more likely to become unrecognizable than it is for Ferrari to not be in it. 
Mm. Exactly. So one. one, one, one. Um, one. <laughs> that uh, I saw some minus fives in there in the chat, which I, I can't disagree. To be honest no. with you, did uh, any did anyone agree with it? Like one. Is it, that was one... uh, there was one four and there was one five in there, which uh, I think they were just trying to be funny more than anything else. <laughs> that's, that's the person who sent in the take and that person's mother, I believe. <laughs> I, I see Mega. I saw Mega in the chat as well, but the man who sent the take in. So thanks. Oh, for that, so I was right then. I was yeah, right. He, he said himself, in my defense, I have none, which I thought was just the perfect <laughs> way of responding to that. So shout out to you, big man. I uh, had you enjoyed that one. Okay, time for take number three. And it's from Troy A. AO511. And this is an interesting one here. Zhou Guan Yu will beat Bottas this year, having that first season of experience under his belt and also performing to Bottas's level in the second half of the season shows just how much Zhou is progressing as a driver. Interesting. This is an interesting one. Uh, one more time. Zhou Guan Yu will beat Bottas this year, having had that first season of experience under his belt and performing to Bottas's level in the second half of the season shows just how much he's progressing as a driver. Should I take this one first? I'd I mean, much appreciate that. I, um, this is an interesting one. Um, I I disagree, first and foremost, is, is my gut feeling on this one. Look, I like Joe. I like him a lot. And I think, I think his first season was a bit on the unlucky side. I think he had a lot of bad luck and things outside of his control happened to him when the Alfa Romeo was really competitive. They started the season really, really well, had a very strong car. I think Joe did get better as the year went on. The problem was the car got significantly worse. Um, and it's harder to stand out when your car is maybe 7th or 8th best as opposed to maybe 4th or 5th best and you're more likely to get in the points. Um... I, I don't see it personally. I mean, Valtteri Bottas, he, I know he got a hard time at Merckx for not being on Lewis Hamilton's level and a bit below that, if we're being completely honest, over the way his Mercedes tenure went and why he was inevitably replaced by Russell. But I still think he's a very solid veteran driver, 10 plus years experience, 10 plus wins. I think he drove pretty well last season in his first year at Alfa Romeo. I think it was actually quite nice to see how he can perform without the significant pressure of a top seat. That's the impression that I get. Um, so I, I find it hard that Joe will take such a huge leap so that he's going to surpass Valtteri. Because Valtteri is a solid pair of hands, in my opinion. I think he's a good driver. And Joe would have to probably take maybe two steps up. For me to think he's anything better. What do you reckon, Kieran? It's very difficult. Um, I, anyone watching on Twitch will have just seen my look of confusion whilst I contemplated. <laughs> I, the, the main argument I can see for agreeing with this take is Joe is at a stage in his career where he has to impress, and he has impressed already, don't get me wrong, but he has to be constantly pushing, constantly trying to be better, constantly moving up the rankings. And of course, his car won't allow him to do that sometimes. But if I contrast that to where Valtteri is at, I think we've seen a much more relaxed Valtteri this year in the paddock, in interviews, and just from social media. I know you can't judge someone's life from that, but it seems like he's having a great time engaging in all these things outside the sport and becoming a bit of an icon. I think we can all agree. The I think everyone's a bit of a Valtteri fan. Um, 
And I would say potentially Valtteri is in a position where Formula One will be, be becoming a little less important to him. I'm not questioning he still wants to race in the sport. I'm not questioning that he has a drive to compete and to succeed. But I think maybe a slight loss in that and an acceptance that this is maybe the tail end of his career and he wants to go and do other things within the next few years com compared to Joe's constant drive to want to do better and want to prove himself. I, that could potentially bring them closer. And the points, I think, do like you were saying, I think the point difference between them last year does a massive injustice to how close it was in reality. You know, there were things that went wrong and the car let them down. Um, I, I think Valtteri's a great driver and I think Joe could be a great driver. I, I think it'll be close, but my main reason for thinking that is I'm expecting the Alfa Romeo to be quite poor this year. I can't. I'm not going. I can't imagine a massive jump. So if we're talking in terms of points, I think it may end up being quite close between the two. Performance-wise, I don't know. I would place this at a three personally because I could see the happening personally. I would also say it's funny you mentioned about maybe motivation being elsewhere. It came out in the news today that Bottas is keen for a big extension. He's waiting for the Audi branding to come along. So he's he clearly wants to stick around till at least 26 when Audi rolls up. Let and me then... change my answer. <laughs> I had not seen that. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's certainly keen for the Audi branding to hit the team and obviously for them to take over and obviously seeing where he's at. And who knows what the driver market will look like in, in, in two years' time as well. So, but could, you, could you see, when Audi come in, could you see him being an option, a viable option for this brand new flashy Audi team? Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. As someone that knows the setup, knows the brand, you know, knows the team around them, you know, he'd have been there four years by that point. You know, it, having a solid pair of hands who has experience, veteran experience, and and knows the setup can't hurt for a brand new management and brand new structure and team coming in. So, yeah, you know, I, I think that he'd be a safe pair of hands, and for that reason, I'm gonna go two on this take regarding Joe and um whether Joe beats Bottas this year. So I'm going to go two on this one. The chat also seemed to go two on this one. There was a fair few votes for three. So a lot of people on the fence as well on this one. How, how do you have it, Kieran? I'd, well, yeah, I've gone, I've gone a three. I have gone a three. Um, just, just because it is, it's one of those things. It's, it's it, with everything with Formula One, when it comes to inter-team rivalries or drivers performing with the car they've got, it's just really difficult to tell and predict sometimes. And I know that is that's the fun of it. That's why we can have these takes and talk about it. I just, I think, I think it's more likely than most people seem to, but I, I'm equally not going to put my whole house on it. You know? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, it, it wouldn't be a huge shock to me. Like, I think Joe will get better, no doubt, but I'm not sure. Like, Bottas is just, I think, a bit better than I think some of the internet gives him credit for. That's oh, I, I agree. I do that, agree with that. Yeah. that. That's how I look at it anyway. Right, take number four. And, uh, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. What's uh, happening? Oh, boy. At Vega Faye says, Haas will be in the title fight. Oh, God. Oh, boy. I mean, you know, sometimes you can tell someone's seen, send in a hot take and they've just gone, well, this this will get on the show, you know. <laughs> like, I mean, absolutely no chance. I'll put my house on that. I'll put my house on that. I'm not ruling them out in the future because you know I think they finally got to that point where they've got enough money to hit the cost cap, which is exciting. We want every team to be able to reach that sort of standing factor that levels out everything. 
And obviously it doesn't level out everything completely because every team's got varying experience up to now and, you know, personnel and stuff like that. But in 2023, there's absolutely no chance. Like zero chance. The money, grand money will have an effect next year. Probably you think if I was Hass, I would take an easier approach to this year and focus a lot of money and development on next year's car like they did in 21. But And it did have some success, but maybe not quite with the longevity they would have liked. But I mean, there's not a chance in hell. I'm really like, I'm really sorry. I don't like, I don't want to be mean to people. People take the time to tweet us or send in their hot takes. And I'm just going to tell them it's an idiotic take. And I'm really sorry. I feel bad, but you are silly. Yeah. I admire the optimism is what (laughs) I would say in response to that. Haas has never been more than a midfielder. You know, they've they've had a couple of the seasons where they were in or around the top five, where they were battling the Renaults, now known as the Alpines of the world, and and that midfield block. But no, I I I I think this is a pretty straightforward one to me. I no is 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 the short answer on that one. You could make a case towards the end of the season that Haas was down there with the bottom feeders. Um, towards the end of last season, more battling Williams and Alpha again to a degree when Alpha slipped a bit in the second half of the year. I don't have that, like, I haven't got a lot of reasons to be optimistic in them. I think Kevin Magnuson was a little bit overrated last year compared to Mick Schumacher. Um, I think Mick had a fair few good under the radar race pace, you know, race trim sort of results on Sunday that went a little bit under the radar. Um, Nico Hulkenberg is not a particular particularly inspiring signing to me. He's safe, you know, and I'm glad he's still keen, but it's been three years, you know, since he last drove an F1 car full time. And even then we all mock Hulkenberg on the internet for having no podiums, let alone talking about a title race um, in that sense. So all of us sitting at home, just lying back on the sofa saying, oh, well, he's never got a podium in Formula 1, so he's rubbish. Yeah, you know. Where are your podiums, people? (laughs) Look, I don't even hold that against Hulkenberg because if you're in a midfield car, you need wacky stuff to happen for you to get a podium in the first place. But even still, there's nothing exciting here about this Haas team. You know, they've gone safe on drivers after the experiment to go young blew up in their face. Their car is not particularly promising. They started out well towards the end of last season, but their development game is weak. It's just not good enough at, at, at that level. And they slipped down the field over the course of the season. So to for them to go the other way and to end up in a title fight, no, I I, I, I really can't get there on this one. I I, I, the, the, th- the thing I would add is, obviously, I, like, I completely disagree that this season they're going to be title contenders. But in the coming years, anything can happen in Formula 1. Let's say that Red Bull from this year was 80% of the best car you can get under these regulations. If Haas were to somehow, and I know it's unlikely, if they were to somehow discover something that added that 20%, anything can happen. Anyone can strike lucky or anyone could come up with something no one else has thought of. So it's always a possibility. It's never impossible in Formula One. It's just very much not likely with Haas. I I apologize for the amount of spice coming out of my co-host. I wasn't anticipating the, the heat of the ghost pepper chili of takes coming out of this man's mouth, talking about Hattie's optimism. This is like a minus four for me right about now. If I, oh, if no. I was if I was going on the scale here, like like let, let me get let me make one thing absolutely clear. Like even if Hass had a, a rocket ship of a car 
the resources, the driver pairings, there's reasons for me to be down on these guys a lot. So it's a one. If we if we are going off the the take in its entirety, implying 2023 Haas will be in the fight, I completely agree with you. But I think like Formula One, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Obviously, we had the the, the whole Braun win in 2009 from a pretty dire situation where they were having huge issues on with Honda and then financially drop out. Anything can happen. And to say within the next couple of years, they couldn't just massively jump up the field, I think is a bit naive to how this can work sometimes. So all I'm I'm just putting it out there, not responding to this take, but I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm a Haas sympathizer. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I like Nico Hulkenberg. I think he's an incredibly attractive man. Uh, just generally, like, and I think he's a good driver. I think Magnussen's a good driver. And controversially, I'll add another hot take for you, Dre. I'm glad Schumacher went for Hulkenberg. I think it was a good decision. Wow. Really? Yeah. Um, I haven't got the time to berate you in the in the middle of this podcast for the scorching earth of that take. I'll, I'll send in that take for next week so we can discuss it. <laughs> We're going to crack open the ballot box on this one. <laughs> Safe to say this one's a one, but uh, let's get into take number five real quick. You didn't and... ask me for my number, Dre. Oh, we all know what the number was. It was yeah, a it was a, it's a one. It's very much a one, yeah. Don't, don't even try me on this. Yeah, right, um, right. Um, Terry Willard uh, sent in this. Hello, one. Terry. Um, he said, quote, um, yeah, hi, Terry. It says, James Vowles has been released from his Merck contract to lead Williams so he gains experience and will return to Merck's when Toto steps aside in a few years to replace him as team principal. Hmm. Now, this is interesting. So, yeah, one more time. James Vowles has been released from his Merck's contract to lead Williams so he gains experience and will return to Merck when Toto steps aside in a few years' time. I'll let you start on this one, Dre. I just need some more thinking time. Okay. Um, This is a, this is tricky. Like, I, I can certainly see it being feasible. Now, James Vowles, and to be fair, I wasn't even fully sure of this myself until the deal was announced. He's done 20 years in that Merck's outfit, back back all the way back to when it was BAR Honda in the early 2000s. He came up through the ranks as a race engineer and ended up eventually leading that team strategy department to winning the, the title with Braun in 2009 and has since become director of strategy at Mercedes, obviously before the announcement we got last week that he's now going to be Williams' team principal. Um it wouldn't fully surprise me. There's always been a relationship there between Mercedes and Williams. Toto Wolff used to have an ownership stake in the team, a, a small amount of ownership stake in the team. He's been there before. Um, you know, there is, you know, a bridge, so to speak, between them. There's a technical partnership between them right now as well. So um, I wouldn't see it as unthinkable. But the thing that's holding me back for me on this one is that I don't see any reason that Toto Wolf steps aside anytime soon. Like, okay, this was a bit of a down year for Mercedes this last season. He'll be the first person, Toto, will be the first guy to tell you this. But he owns a further team. He controls the Mercedes stake in the team, which basically means Toto basically still controls two thirds of Mercs. I don't see him walking away from that anytime soon. It's still a power player. They're still a top-ranked team. Um, they've had a small pause on the their great, the, arguably the greatest run of dominance in F1 history. 
it would take a lot for me to step away from that role. Maybe unless it was the whole vibe of I've done all I can do here. Maybe there's a, a, a better place for me or a higher calling or maybe even an early retirement. Toto's not that old. I don't think he's going to be stepping aside anytime soon. And I think that's the only reason why to be a little bit lower end on the scale. But I think it's a great and very interesting take, Terry. I'll give you that. It's one that it's it's certain. I certainly think it's very interesting. Um, Kieran, what do you make of it? I think it's like, you know, when you read a conspiracy theory that sometimes you read the things people will say, such as Hassel will be in the title fight in 2023 and go, what are you talking about? But sometimes it's so well thought out with understandable links to certain things and you go that's a real possibility however i really i highly doubt that part of mercedes strategy at this point because like you say i don't think toto is going anywhere in the near future i'm talking three four years at least at least it would be a really odd move for mercedes to go let's get james to go and get experience as a team principal in the future he can replace toto yeah I think it's more likely that James himself might have gone, I'm going to go and take this opportunity to get experience as a team principal. So if that job were to ever, ever open up, I would be a candidate for it. I think on a personal level to him, that's much more likely. I, I don't think Toto will be making plans for his successor or anything like that. I, I, I think, yeah, I think Toto's got a lot of legs left. Well, a lot of legs physically. He's a tall boy. Very a lot tall. of legs left in the, in the sport. And he's got unfinished business. Like he's got to get Mercedes back to where they were. And he seems like the sort of guy who will not quit until that happens. And I think I've got a lot of respect for him because of that. So I think it's a very interesting take. And Absolutely. I think I think with a slight rewording, I would agree with it more. Like James James uh, Vowles has gone to get this experience to potentially go back to Merck as a team principal. But other than that, I think maybe he's just seen the opportunity to take one of the most historic and accomplished teams in Formula One and try and bring them back to glory. And what he did with Braun, getting that world... Because when you're head of strategy, you are so instrumental in how a season goes and how races play out. He's proved himself time and time again. Let him prove himself with a real challenge, with a real, proper, original Formula One team, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 more inclined to agree with you there, Kieran. I think James was probably more in this for himself than he was a master plan by Mercedes than anything else. Um, it's a team principal gig, and you know that's that's the, the the near the top of the mountain for anyone that's working for an F1 team, and those opportunities don't land very often, especially for people like James. It was like, how many? How often do you see strategy guys climb up the ranks in recent times? It, and and like I said, I think Toto is in a really good position as a team principal. He's got more than enough favors. He's got an ownership stake. He'd have to he'd have to have a lot of moving parts move around for Turner to step aside. And even if he was to step aside, I'm not even sure they'd hire James Vols to replace him, to be honest with you. So I think there's a lot of moving parts there. However, there is something in this take. I do think that there is something there where I could see James Vowles eventually go back home. Because uh, I mean, that's said he's done 20 years in that camp. That's a hell of a run. And that must have been very hard for him to walk away from, uh, to spend that sort of time with one institution is wild. So I would actually, I'll lean more towards the generous end of the scale and go three on this one. What do you reckon, Kieran? I'm going to stick with the two. Okay. But I would also like to add, just as an off, well, not off topic, but as, just as an, an aside, 
I really respect Williams's decision to go for him. I think that's a really interesting way of appointing a new team principal. Brave call. And yeah, and I think it's clever. Having someone who gets strategy so well, I think could be a big coup. I think it could be a very good choice, but I'll yeah. stick for two on the take. Yeah, brave call. And I, I do wish Williams the best in that regard. That is a that is a brave decision, and I hope they're rewarded for it because uh yeah, I would that would that was his name wasn't even hinted at when I saw the rumors flying after Josh Capito stepped down. So that was uh an interesting but great take though, Terry. I I've heard you say so myself. Well done, Terry. Um yeah, number six. Uh this is from Gillip O2. I hope I pronounced that right. Apologies if I haven't. Interesting one here. Sister teams should not be allowed. They give one of the top teams two less cars to fight with when coming through the field. Hmm. Sister teams should not be allowed. They give one of the top teams two less cars to fight with when coming through the field. So we're talking about Red Bull and Alpha Tauri. Basically. Okay. Uh, I I think I think it does a disservice to Alpha Tauri potentially mm. to kind of intimate that all they are is just a pawn in Red Bull's game. And I know there was a lot of that conversation last season with the Yuki incident. Which yeah, was Zanvor. which was a bit crazy in my opinion, but you know, let's not live live in the past. Let's not go over that again. <laughs> I think people did it thoroughly enough at the time. Um, I, I see. I mean, firstly, you look on the grid. If we're talking about how things currently stand, Alpha Tauri is not going to be any problem to a Ferrari or a Mercedes working their way through the grid most of the time. Yeah, yeah. You would so. you would expect them not to even meet each other on track unless they're being lapped as things as things were in last season which is a shame and i think it's it's weird to me how bad the alpha tauri was but obviously independent factories independent engineers all this kind of thing they they have the link with red bull but not enough i i would say if the alpha tauri was pushing constantly sort of p4 in the constructors maybe even having races where they surpass the mercedes and the ferrari then I would say there's more of an argument in this, but I would just say that the way it feels at the moment, they are two isolated teams from each other, just linked by an owner. And I, I, I've i not seen a case of thinking, oh, this is unfair that Alpha Tauri can help out Red Bull here. Potentially a bit more in the 21 season. There was definitely more times with Gasly pushing into that that top six, that top seven, where he was causing a bit more of a problem. But... If Ferrari drivers and if Mercedes drivers are doing their job properly, they should never be having to work their way past the Alpha Tauris unless you've taken an engine penalty or something like that. So and uh, I don't I don't see it as a problem. It's not something that stood out to me anyway. Yeah, um it's an interesting perspective. Um it's it I don't think this situation of an Alpha Tauri being better than a Red Bull has come up too often in recent F1 history to the point where this would be a huge concern or a genuine problem. I think the one time it really sticks out is probably 2008 when Sebastian Vettel was there and he had a late run of form that, you know, genuinely put them above Red Bull. But I mean, maybe if the scenario was different where a second team could be as good as the first team, you know, you could have some conflicts of interest there. But my my other perspective on the side of this is would you rather have an Alpha Tauri that could be influenced a little bit by Red Bull? I mean, yes, you could make a case that it happens sometimes, but I don't think this happens regularly. Would you rather have that or would you rather have nine teams on the grid? Because the way people are going mad about 
potentially Andretti coming in as an 11th team and people are begging for an 11th team on the grid for all the emotional reasons that come with that. And, you know, a lot of them are valid. Like, would you rather have nine teams? And and the, the you know, Formula One puts its feet up and says, no, we, we're not allowed to have two different owners here or two, two owners of the same team. And then that's a conflict of interest and we can't have that. For the health of the sport's sake, maybe it's in its best interest to, you know, let that stand. Of course, I don't want to see a team just step aside for the uh, the the bigger brother team to overtake them on track. No one wants to see that, of course, from an entertainment standpoint. But normally, the second team is where it is for a reason. And if a good team is further back on the field, there's probably a good reason for that too. So I don't see it as a huge problem. But I also understand where the takes coming from, where it's like from an entertainment standpoint, this does stink a little bit. So, well, I think we'd we'd rather have an independent Alpha Tauri or being course. bought out by someone else. I, I think that would be because that eliminates any suspicion of people going, "Oh, they're all plotting these races." I think it'd be nice to have ten independent teams, but Formula One is so familial like everyone has relationships with teams it's just to a different extent so yeah yeah academies and and you know factories umbrellas technical supports you know power unit supplies it's there's like the, the cake is pretty much baked with, with f1 at that point um the chat went five funnily enough on this one they really agreed with this one but, really uh, yeah i thought the thought was interesting i can't get there on this one so like from the different sides of the take i think I would say two on this one. What do you reckon, Kieran? I'd go three, but not from the perspective of I think it's a problem. I just think it would be cool to have a team either AlphaTauri owned by someone else or a new team in that place that didn't have links. But equally, I completely, I don't think it's a problem. So, no, two, I'll go with you. I'll move down to a two. I don't think it's a problem. Okay, okay, interesting. We us in the chat disagree. Um, interesting yeah. perspective on that one. Right, tick number seven from Knoxway forty seven. Oh boy, uh, this oh, is gonna no. this is gonna be a good one. George Russell is as good as Max Verstappen. Oh, okay, that's fruity. That's a fruity take, and I respect it. George Russell is as good as Max Verstappen. Um, <laughs> how do we feel about this one? Shall I go first on this one? Um, yeah. Uh. No is my short answer to that one. <laughs> um, look, Max Verstappen is probably the best driver in the world right now. He's he, at worst, he's 1B with Lewis, in my humble opinion. And, you know, Max, Max has won what, 25 Grand Prix in the last two years alone? Like, Max last season was as good as almost any top tier driver's season in history. He was so, so good. Um, and George, this was his first year in a real top end seat. And look, for what it's worth, I think Russell more than held up his end of the deal. I think he was excellent. I mean, look, he beat Hamilton by 35. Again, we said it last week. You've got to take some mitigation with that because Hamilton clearly was sacrificing setup for the good of the team. So how much perspective of that you take away from Russell is down to you. But I've not seen enough from George to think that he's got enough to beat Verstappen over a season yet. Don't get me wrong. I think a part of that is also because of the Merck's car in general is not where Red Bull is at the moment. Um, so we've not really seen them on anything, I would say, near equal footing. 
And I think there's 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 flashes of brilliance with George, clearly, but not quite there yet in a title fight scenario. I mean, look at it this way. Max's first time he had a car that was good enough to win a title, he won said title. Controversially, of course, but on any level, Max's 2021 was an exceptional season. That was his first real season in, in what I think was a title contending car. Um, I don't, I need to see more from George before I go down that road uh, for me. I don't know how you feel about it, Kieran. What do you reckon? Well, I made a, a video that's kind of, it was on a similar theme. It was on TikTok. Follow me on TikTok, everyone, because I know you all really respect me for getting here through making stupid TikTok videos. Um, but it was my t- my hot take, which is so... This is Hot Take Wednesday's show. That's what this show is. So you're welcome. My hot take was Russell was sort of as aggressive and unrefined as Verstappen was a few years ago, but doesn't get called out for it as much in the British media because he's a British driver. And I know that's going to bring up a lot of hotness and spiciness within the chat. And I I, I understand, I understand. Verstappen probably did have a few more shunts and incidents, but he has a very similar desire to win. He has a very similar aggression level to Verstappen in a healthy way. I'm not, I'm not labeling aggression as a negative thing. I think it can lead you to make stupid mistakes sometimes. And I do wish he could take more of the blame for that when he does it because there's been a distinct lack of that over the past year. But I think he is where Verstappen was maybe 2019. I think I also think he will get to where Verstappen is in 2022. I don't think he is there now by any means. I don't think he... If he was in an equal car to Max Verstappen, he couldn't keep up for 23 races of a season. I think he'd win a few, but I think... That maybe be more to Red Bull strategy error, which is rare, or a, you know, an incident. Anything can happen, but I think he will get there. I don't think he's there now. Yeah, if you said to me that George might win a title or might be on Verstappen's level in three or four years' time, I'd be much more inclined to agree with you because I certainly can see the upside. The upside, the ceiling with Russell, I think, is huge. I think he could easily be a future world champion one day, um, just not now. Like then that's what the take is 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 in. It's like is as good as Verstappen. And look, Verstappen for me is the best driver on the planet right now. Um, so I I can't get there with George yet. Um, and yeah, the half the chat has gone one thirty five percent say two. So we're, we're we're leaning towards the the very low end of the scale here. I'm I'm inclined to agree with the chat. I say this is a one. Yeah, I fully agree. Yeah, this is a one for us. Um. George is, is good. I would even say he's very good, but I still think he's a little bit rough around the edges, and I still think he's not quite shown that ultimate upside we've seen with Max just but yet. May I add something? Sure. I also think a lot of people have... because I completely agree with what you said about the gap to Hamilton. There are factors in that, like in terms of setup and things like that. But I think people have been way too quick to discount the fact that he did beat Hamilton. I don't think it was fully because of setup experimentation. No, no. I, I think he was a better driver this year than Lewis uh, most of the season. And I think he doesn't get enough credit for that. I think people are just way too quick to go, well, that's that's Lewis Hamilton. He's, he's the best in the world. There must have been reasons and discount it. An incredible achievement in my eyes. 
I, I wouldn't go that far with it. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's only the third man to ever beat Lewis over a season in 15 years in F1, but um, I wouldn't go that far yet. Um, no, I, I think, I, I still think Hamilton was better over the course of the season, just. I, I, I think Russell was close, certainly. Um, and I think the head-to-heads were pretty close. I think the qualifying average was pretty close. I think it was about 0.04 between them. They were very, very close in that sense, but I wouldn't... Russell absolutely deserves credit for that. I mean, look, worst-case scenario, or should I say best-case scenario in this case, George Russell might be Hamilton 2.0, and that's a hell of a dub if you're Mercedes. Just not quite there yet, in my opinion. Right, Lance Stroll's Hamilton 2.0. Stop that. Stop that, all right? <laughs> You're not helping. Right, take number eight. Interesting. Cyped uh, uh, official says, Silverstone 2022 is overrated AF. Nowhere near how people rate it. I, 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 I don't like this take. Um, I, I think this is hot. Uh, if, we, if we were going by our old scale briefly for a second there. No, don't but... confuse people, Drew. You can't say that. We <laughs> exactly. never talk about that scale ever again. Of course. Um, but I think there's a case. And, and giving it some thought, I think there's a case. And I think the case boils down to, what did you think of the first three quarters of that race? Now, entertainment is subjective. You know, Every, uh, what you might think is interesting or or intriguing might not be to somebody else. So I can only speak for myself here. Um, what I would say is, is that I thought the first three quarters of this race was good. I don't think anybody reasonable is arguing the last 10 laps after the safety car was incredible. Um, you know, off the scale level, brilliant. Um, but it depends to me what you thought of, of how we got to that point. Was, you know, did you find signs in Leclerc's team squabbles interesting while Leclerc had a broken wing? Hamilton was in contention seemingly for the first time, like really all year in that Mercedes. Hamilton looked like he might win a race on this occasion. So, like, if you found that intriguing, you probably really liked Silverstone as a race overall. Um, I personally thought it was very interesting seeing Merck's challenge, Rebel on the back foot a little bit, and then Ferrari squabbling over Leclerc and Sainz, who was seemingly quite slow on the day. But then you had Leclerc with a broken front wing, but also still pretty quick. And then obviously them on the fence deliberating, you know, do we play the team orders card here? And, you know, Carlos's famous stop inventing line, which I still thought was quite funny to this day. I think Silverstone is a, a very good race, but I also think there was a, a fair few very good races in 2022. I don't think Silverstone, I, mean, I know Silverstone was voted on the official F1 Twitter account as being the race of the year, um, but I thought there was a fair few other contenders like Bahrain, like Saudi Arabia. I thought Cota was really good this year as well. Um, I, w- I would chuck that in the mix. I think Brazil was I think Brazil was my pick for race of the year. I thought Brazil was was an outstanding race, personally. So I think in the context of the take, I'm leaning on the upper end of things here. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, Kieran. The upper end. So you agree? Yeah, I I I'm leaning towards the upper end of the scale. I'm I'm thinking about it a bit more, but it's overrated. You you reckon it's overrated? No, it, it wasn't a take that it's overrated. 
<laughs> well, it's, it's, read it's the o- take. Read the take for me. So, Silver Twenty Two is overrated AF. Nowhere near how people rate it. So, so take is the race is overrated. So you're agreeing with that? Yes. You think it's overrated? A little bit. I'm so confused. I I, <laughs> I thought you were arguing. For, I thought it was great. I, I, sorry, I just I misconstrued your face and the words coming yeah. out. I, I a different thing. I thought it was an amazing race. I thought <laughs> every element that could make an F1 race interesting, we saw. We saw a safety car. We saw the championship leader have technical problems and damage, which slowed him down, took him out of the took him out of the standings. We saw a first race winner. We saw collisions, which obviously, when everyone's safe, they add excitement to the sport. I'm I'm glad that like that crash was just unbelievable to watch. And it was terrifying, and we always want the drivers to be as safe as possible. Of course, but it adds just an element. You've got Albon's incident as well. Like everything got mixed up. You've got Perez having to come in, and it was just incredible. And then the last, like you said, the last ten laps after that safety car, that's possibly that battle between. Uh, Leclerc, Perez, and Hamilton might be the best bit of racing we saw this whole season. I, ca- I can't think of a moment where I was so gripped and like on the edge of my seat as that moment. So I, I just, I-, I can't see an argument for calling it overrated in the slightest. I-, I think it was like you can you can say it's not your favorite race of the season. Absolutely fine. Like like you say, we all have different things we want from a race. Sure. But to say it's overrated when it pretty much had everything that you would want from a race, I. I think it's a stone cold one. This take, personally, uh, I think we had a fair few good races on this one. I, I, I actually. Well, no, but it's not saying that there weren't other good races. It's saying yeah, that, that that race is overrated. But yeah, that, that I, I think it is a little bit overrated because I think we had a handful of really good races over the course of the year. So I'm actually going to go three on this one, maybe even four. I, I agree. I think it is slightly overrated in the context of, of the of the season, um, okay. and and how I personally enjoyed 2022. So I'm going to go four on this one. I actually think, I actually think it is a little overrated because I think it was a I think it was a good race. I think it was a great race. I'd even say, but I think we had four or five of them. So I don't think it stands out as much as as, as, as it should do, in my opinion. Um, interesting. Interesting how we disagreed on that one as well. I'm just so confused. What's, <laughs> what's the chat saying out of interest? Uh, the chat went one on yeah. this one. They're, they're all they're with you on this one. So I, yeah. Um, so I, I would say maybe three and a half on this one. So I, I, no, I would... no, no. We don't have a half system. We can't complicate it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think I think there's a there's a, an, a twinge of truth in that personally. Right, two to go. Take number nine. Uh, Nick Bikes QC says Las Vegas will be the most boring race of 2023. So, what do you think, Aaron? If we're going off, we've got no evidence. But right. if we're go- if we're going, I mean, obviously we've got the track lay- layout. If we're going off gut feeling, I would say I agree. I I think it's it's an uninspiring race in principle. The whole excitement of it comes for. The Formula One executives and the drivers who get to go to Las Vegas and live the high life. Um, for the fans, is it going to be a great experience for the price? Because it is particularly extortionate. Like I've been doing some research on this today, not because of this, it was for a video we're making. And sort of the cheapest accommodation you can get is sort of $580 per night. So for a Formula One fan, is the race in Las Vegas going to be fun? I don't think so. 
I think you'll be paying top money for a race that will be subpar. And well, anything can happen in a Formula One race. We know this. But and I guess it depends because this this it's essentially just straights, isn't it? So it depends how strong the DRS is. But if DRS is really strong at that track, then you could potentially be seeing a lot of overtakes, but more just symbolic overtakes that you know will be just next lap. You'll be swapping. I, I'm not excited for that race as a fan of Formula One, but I can imagine people with lots of money will not think it's going to be boring. They'll think this is the perfect place for a Formula One race. So, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I actually don't mind the layout so much. I've seen the layout. I think there is definitely some some potential for overtakes into multiple places. Um, I I mean I think it's a little bit and to borrow an American term here, Roval esque. If you guys like your NASCAR, like a Charlotte, for example, or Daytona, which is coming up. Um, if you like your sports cars, um, I quite like the layouts. I think there's potential for overtakes there. Um, I don't hate the layout. I don't hate the fact there's a Grand Prix in Vegas um, in general. Yes, it's going to be overpriced, but that's the way F1 is going. You know, like it's like, like here's Miami. Like, you know, that nice cheap Grand Prix we added in last year, you know, and they, they've jacked up their prices for this year as well. Um, so look, we all know what the sport's priorities are. It's going to be glitz and glamour. It's Vegas. It, it doesn't get more glitz and glamour than that one. I actually don't think this will be the most boring race. I think there's there's tracks on this calendar already that I would point out that have a much greater chance of being dull on paper. Such as? Monaco, Catalonia. I think Hungary gets away with it a lot sometimes, but I think Hungary on paper, like, it should be bad, but, like, Hungary has this knack of just producing great races anyway. It, I, I, like, uh, but I, like, I don't think it suits the cars at all, but yeah, it produces and, 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 and consistently. So, yeah, I, I don't think on paper... This, I mean, this is all we have to really go off, given we haven't seen these cars actually race around Vegas yet. But from what I see, I don't think Vegas will actually be, be too boring. Um, the chat is on the fence on this one. They've gone down the middle. I'm going to go down the middle. I would say three on this one mostly due to lack of evidence but also just because i i i think i'm on the fence i mean also we have to see it in person we don't know how the track's going to play out of course but i think three is a, a solid just it's a bit of a cop-out i openly admit but mm. I, I think lack of evidence puts me puts me in the middle on that one on i don't know what you reckon kieran i'll, I'll say that my my rating is affected by what I think of this kind of move in Formula One and the direction it's going in with mm. Miami and with um, with Las Vegas, um, I find it very uninspiring. And as a fan of the sport, you know, I'm not made of money in the slightest. And it's kind of, I understand that it is a business and it has to make as much money and it has to market in the way it does. But I just wish when you see some of the tracks that are potentially being discussed as leaving the sport or we don't have any more, Give me give me a port amount over Vegas personally, so that affects my rating. So I'll go with a four on this one. Okay, wow. Okay, so go. So uh, Kieran goes on the on the higher end of things. Fair enough. I mean, look, I could totally see why people are down on it for many many reasons. You know, on track, off track reasons, 
completely get that at least. So yeah, if you almost well, I will it, say if they want to send me over to Las Vegas to cover the race, then it's a one. It's a one from me. You you shameless man. Absolutely. <laughs> give me give me free stuff and I'm yours. <laughs> nice to see that we are totally not corporate shields on this platform. Yeah. Well, that, at least one of us isn't. <laughs> it's all it's also my dating app profile. Like, <laughs> if you want if you want to pay me no, actually, sorry, that's gone in a very weird direction. Move no, on. Move no, on quickly. no, Move no, on. no. Uh, oh, uh, watch that drink here and drink because he's about to spit it out because this is the last <laughs> take of the night, and this oh, is a good no. one. If it's um, about Lance Stroll again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cry. Oh, I've got some good news for you. Um, from at F1 Patient, um, this is gonna be a fun one. After Stroll bought Force India, the team went from the most likable, overachieving underdog to the most unlikable team on the grid. Now, show some balls and react to that. At F1. Well, is that you saying that? No, that's the actual take. Mm. Oh, okay. I was going to say, it doesn't feel very great to say show, show, some, show some balls. I disagree, um, personally, but fair enough. <laughs> say, it, say it to me, then. Say it to me now. Show some balls, Kieran. React to this tweet. Okay. Mm. I'll... Sh uh, I... Look. <laughs> I'm not I, sure, I, folks. Ah, <laughs> uh, I... I it's really difficult. It's really difficult. But I, I personally don't subscribe to the idea that any team is the most dislikable on the grid. Like, everyone has an opinion on who that is Rebel. based on who they support. But, like, I can understand why people get annoyed at Red Bull, but it's because they're so good at what they do. They are so good at just being absolute i'm trying to find a word that's not a swear word they don't they don't care if people hate them they get success through it and christian horner is an example people people say all sorts of stuff about christian horner i think he's so good at his job i think he is he plays politics perfectly he he would be a politician in another life because he's Absolutely. always doing everything for the the best interest of his team whatever he says that people will be angry at him for there's a reason to it and he's a very clever man so I would say generally, I think, from what I've seen, and I will say this openly, this is from British media, this is from someone who follows a lot of British people online, Red Bull seems to be the team who are the most dislikable generally. I don't agree, but that's what people say. But in terms of like looking at... I don't, I don't get the problem people have with the trolls. I really don't. And I'm not a plant. I'm not a plant, I promise. Sure. It, it's somehow this implication that it's a new thing that suddenly these people with money have come into the sport. Look at all of the drivers you support, apart from Hamilton, and there's a few exceptions. These are all people who come from money. Every person who owns a team comes from massive money. There's money all over the sport. So why is it so often focused on the strolls? Is it just because Lance has a seat? He had that seat before his dad owned the team. Like... It's just such a hypocrisy that I see so often. And this, this is nothing to... I'm not sponsored by Aston Martin. They don't like me as far as I'm concerned. So this isn't me doing a bit. I just find it genuinely infuriating how there's such a hypocrisy around the strolls because of money. The sport is money. What we were saying about Vegas. Everything is about money, making money, giving money. So I, I just don't get where that comes from. And Aston Martin is a team... like. Uh, you can give me your opinion on this, Dre. Are they a dislikable team? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I was, I would say generally they're sort of pretty. Like no one really pays them much attention. They don't do anything offensive. Like when they breached the cost cap for whatever reason, even just slightly, the rules on the cost cap, should I say? 
Like no one really focused on that in the slightest. No. So that that would suggest to me no one really cares. If anything, people were joking about the fact the reason they breached it was because they didn't price up the, the amount of tables and chairs correctly, and <laughs> everyone looked at it was quite was it being quite funny. <laughs> um, no, look. I was going to say, like, is is Aston Martin really that unlikable? Like, I, I really don't think that's the case. I I get the first half of this take. Like, it was very easy to root for Force India slash mm. Racing Point, the difficulties they had. Sergio Perez, you know, losing his job and then saving after saving the team, he deliberately put them in administration so he could bail them out and change the team name around and all of that. Like... You know, Perez has always been very popular, especially obviously back home in Mexico. So I get it. Like, I get why people batted for Force India. We all do love an underdog in sports. Um, they had a very good team as well, where, you know, they were top three, top four team at one point as well. You know, so they were right up there knocking on the door of the big boys and the Kings in the midfield as well. So... Again, they're a very easy team to root for. I don't think they suddenly became unlikable after Aston Martin bought them out. Like, did people like Lance Stroll was already there? Like, and they gained Sebastian Vettel, who had become at that point by then one of the most well rounded, well liked drivers in F1. Like, so I, I don't understand where, like, just because they're in green they've suddenly become massively disliked. I don't think they've done anything too problematic or controversial. They had a universally well-liked driver in one of the seats. and Two universally well-liked drivers. One universally well-liked driver in the seats, and Lance Stroll was there too. So, again, I don't see where, you know, where people suddenly just dislike them. I, I don't understand that at all. I think they're well-liked. I think the Aston Martin brand is, is, is a popular British brand. I think people like it. People like the merch. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people liked Seb, and they gave Seb a platform to do a lot of good things as well. So, um. Yeah, you know, I I think there is a degree of, of dislikability with Lance because of how he gets down on track sometimes. Um, but I don't think that's an overwhelming factor to say that people just dunk on the team every two seconds either. So to show my balls, as the as the take originally please, points out, please don't um and react <laughs> to that. Uh, I'm gonna go down two on this one. I don't I think there is elements that People might dislike the team, maybe the way Seb left and retired quick, maybe Lance Stroll and how he gets down on track sometimes, but I don't fully subscribe to this notion that they're now massively unlikable, in my opinion. What, what, what do you I, reckon, Kevin? I'm going to go one, but also with the caveat of agreeing with you, of saying I can understand why people rooted for Force India and Racing mm. Point. I completely get it. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, no, I, I can't agree with that. Because my their lawyers will be in touch with me because you know <laughs> I am contract I'm not contracted just to clarify I'm not. yeah 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 of course no I, I I don't I don't get I don't subscribe to that notion at all personally I think I think Aston Martin's like I know I'm a little bit biased as the former Sebastian Vettel fan of course I'm so yeah you know, I'm I, not biased I, I I hold my hands up to that a little bit but I really can't get there on that one that they're more dislikable than some of the big name profile teams that win every week that people don't like i mean have you seen the whole purple versus silver thing in the last couple of years and how people get divisive about that and we're telling us we're telling me that aston martin's the most unlikable can't get there on that one no. personally what are chat saying on that out of interest i think the chat went like like four or five i think a lot of them agreed really? funnily enough um which you know again maybe 
perception is nine tenths of the law at the end of the day. So everybody's perspective and how a team is perceived is going to have is going to be seen through different people's eyes. So it's just I, interesting to me yeah. because in terms of the general public and social media to do with Formula One, I've just never seen them be openly mm. disliked. It's just that's no, news to me. Not massively, and like even even if they were, like they're a midfield team, they're not going to be the most popular team out there in the first mm. place. So for them to stand out that much, they'd be like the villains of the grid. Like I, I I can't get there on that one personally. Right. We're just about done here, folks, for Hot Takes Wednesday here on this extended edition. We did 10 on this one. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, for those guys listening in on Twitch, we'll be back very, very soon as well. We'll be back tomorrow, actually, funnily enough, with another um podcast. We've got Hannah coming along as well for that one. We're gonna talk a little bit of Drive to Survive, a little bit of some of our best bits of the show so far, what we would like to see covered next season as well so um thank you very much for listening in I, i've been dre harrison he's been kieran oaks you can follow us on twitter at dre underscore wtf1 and at kieran wtf1 as well and of course you can follow the site itself at uh, wtf1 official on there all our social media is on is it's easy to find you know where to get us um thank you very much for listening and uh, we will catch you guys next time bye sayonara <laughs>